Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Before Jesus died on the cross, he spent some time with Mary and Martha after the death of their brother Lazarus. And as he comes, he delayed coming. And Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, um, your brother will rise. She said, well, I know he'll rise at the last day. And Jesus said, no. He said, I need you to understand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Jesus asked her. You see, Jesus came to her, and he spoke the truth to her to help her come to the place of faith. Sometimes we need God's help in coming to the place of faith. Um, wherever you may be, if you're, if you're a child of God, sometimes we need God's help as children of God in trusting him with the everyday things of life. If you're lost, you may need help in putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things that I find highly ironic and very realistic is the fact that the gospel writers let us know how skeptical Jesus' people were. They tended not to believe. The angels come and tell the ladies, and Mark tells that they run off without telling anybody. They're scared and they're, they're disturbed. The angels, they've received an angelic message, and yet they don't tell anybody. Apparently, they waited just outside the garden. They're trying to figure out, okay, where do, what do we do? We, we're coming here to mourn. We're coming here to anoint the body. We don't know where to go. While they're waiting, Mary is at Jesus' tomb, and Jesus appears to her. Then as Mary comes and tells them, and they're coming back, then the, angel, the angels uh, found out they're, they're telling the truth. Jesus appears. And he ministers to the ladies, and they run and they tell the disciples. Some of these details aren't included in our text, but they're included in all four Gospels. That's why we have four, by the way. They're Reader's Digest condensed version. When you put them together, we get an idea of what happened, and it truly is amazing. But in our scripture today, we hear not only about the women going to tell the disciples about what they saw, but we also see... Jesus appearing to two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And it's really ironic. The, the Bible says their eyes were closed. They're, they're shut uh, supernaturally to the fact that Jesus was with them. And they're having this conversation with this mystery man. And they really don't know who he is. But, but their hearts are just burning within them. He's opening the word of God and he's telling them this is what the, the Bible says about the Messiah. That he would come to suffer and that he would die on a cross for sin, and he would be raised, and he would go to his glory at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is telling them their hearts are burning within them. They say, boy, we've never heard anybody teach like this. We've never seen anybody do anything like this. As Jesus opened their eyes, and they saw who he was. And Jesus was hidden from their sight. Well, then they run back. They're excited to tell the other disciples. They get to the other disciples. And they said, well, we just heard, we didn't believe the women at first, but now the Lord has appeared to Peter. And, and, and they, uh, they're, all get, they're all excited, they're sharing their stories, and then Jesus shows up in the middle of them. 
and Jesus is still trying to convince them. They're, you know, they're excited, but at first they're scared, but think it's a ghost. They don't say, oh, yeah, this is what the angel said. Yeah, this is Jesus. No, they said, this is a ghost. Oh, no. And, and, and they, they re- refuse to believe. Uh, and they're so slow to believe. And so Jesus comes and he says, okay. He says, take a look at these wounds. And he shows them his hands. And he shows them his feet. Look at that big old spot scar. You know, I, I remember when we were little boys, we had a, little boys would show their scars to each other. Uh, <laughs> look at this spike scar here. Uh, and uh, touch me. You think I'm a ghost? Touch me. Go ahead, touch me. And they touch him. We know this because John says in the gospel, uh, in the uh, epistle of John, he says, uh, him whom we have touched. Then he says, you got anything worth eating around this place? And they give him some fish, and he sits down, and he starts eating. And he says, look, ghosts don't have flesh and bones like you see I have, right? You know, he's convincing them. He said, touch it, look at it, experience it. Because I'm telling you, this is the proof that I've come back to life. There are many people in the world who will die for a lie. But the disciples, many of them died for what had been demonstrated and proved to them. Jesus had risen. And he again opens their minds to the scripture. It's amazing sometimes how blind we can be. He shows them how the scriptures are fulfilled in him. So uh, we need to put our trust in Jesus, and we need to ask him to help us with that when we're struggling. The title of my message is Jesus' Help to Believe. Let's read this scripture, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It's necessary. That the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women were with them, were telling the apostles these things, but the words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only linen clothes. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked him, 
is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas uh, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? What things, Jesus asked them. So they said to him, These things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them for, uh, for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he was reclining at the table with them, and he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Because the ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. So Jesus helped to believe. How does Jesus help us to believe? Well, first of all, I want you to see that he sends messengers. He sends messengers. Often in Scripture, when angels appear, they're called men. 
some angels had wings. The ones that did had six wings. Um, but uh, often they just looked like men, except there was something different about them. Uh, and uh, if you look in verse 4, he says, While they were perplexed, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes, or clothes that flashed like lightning. That's kind of the idea. Uh, so Jesus sends messengers to them. Now, I had a bunch of messengers that led to my faith in Christ. I had teachers who taught me about Jesus, the things of God, uh, pastors and so forth. I had evangelists who spoke the truth of the gospel and brought conviction uh, with the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, I, I had uh, actually my own pastor who preached the message the day I was saved. And, uh, and then, of course, the precious Holy Spirit was a messenger to my soul. And he drew me and worked. And that tugging upon my heart to give my heart to Christ. And uh, what a precious and glorious day it was when I finally surrendered to Jesus and put my trust in him. And my life was changed from that moment on. And uh, it was truly, truly different. Um, Jesus sends the disciples at the end of our chapter and talks about them being empowered from on high to spread this message of the gospel. You and I know Jesus for one reason and one reason only. Somebody told us about him. That's the method that God has chosen to use. You can't... Uh, you can't um, overestimate the importance of your personal witness for Jesus Christ. It is so important. And as you talk to people about what Jesus has done for you, about prayers that he's answered and, and uh, ways that he has ministered to you, you impact those who are lost and you help them to see their need for Jesus Christ. Uh, you and I may not be eyewitnesses of the resurrection like these witnesses were, but you and I are witnesses to what Jesus has done in our life. I want to tell you something. I, I try to, uh, to look at facts and so forth and try to uh, have a good intellectual basis for what I believe. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe in Jesus not because of a bunch of intellectual facts. I believe in Jesus because he changed my life. And nobody's going to convince me that Jesus isn't real. And then he doesn't have supernatural power to change lives because he changed my life. I know he's real. My life's not been the same. Uh, it, it's amazing. And one day he's really going to change it when he comes back. <laughs> Hallelujah. He'll do it. So God sends us messengers to help us believe. Now, if, if you are a, a child of God, you need to understand God will send messengers. By the way, that's one reason church is important, right? We need each other. We're messengers into each other's lives. That's why the assembly of God's people is so important. And so, um, but, but as you interact with God's people and they speak into your life, or perhaps through a media thing, uh, maybe it's something on Facebook or something on uh, the uh, YouTube or something like that, um, God speak, speaks into your life, perhaps it's the radio. And you turn on the radio and there's a song that ministers to your heart. But God speaks. He sends messengers into your life to help you in times of struggle. I was sharing with Megan yesterday about a song that I had heard this 
a couple of weeks ago when I was in the radio, and I shouted. I was in the car, and I, I got uh, Bapticostal, and I started getting happy, and I shouted in my car. Somebody probably thought, that guy's nuts. Uh, but, um, but I was just so excited because of the message of that song, and it was a message to me that I needed at that point in my life. But I want you to know, if you're lost, if you don't yet have a relationship with Christ, God sends messengers. It's not an accident that you're in this place today. It's not an accident that you have people in your life that know Jesus Christ who have spoken into your life. That is a blessing of God, and it is intended to be a light into your life to help you find Jesus Christ. Um, uh, a few years ago, when I was uh, talking to uh, uh, Betty Sorrell's husband, uh, he told me one day, he said, you know, I've had three people come by my house this week. One guy dro- drove 40 minutes just to come and tell me about Jesus. I said, well, God may be trying to tell you something, buddy. He sends us messengers. That's the grace of God. Listen, I didn't care about God. I had no concern about the things of God. Yes, I was brought to church, but I didn't care about the things of God. I wasn't seeking after Jesus. He sought me. Because he's good. And because he's full of grace and mercy. And God, through these messengers, began to work on my heart. Until finally I came to the place of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing he did. Now they don't yet, they don't yet believe it. The angelic messengers yet have not gotten through. But uh, Jesus sends messengers to help us believe. Secondly, he brings comfort. He brings comfort. Um, these two men walking on the road to Emmaus are in a, an animated discussion. They're trying to figure out what's happened. I mean, in just a few days, the one they'd put all their hope in, Jesus, had been killed at the cross. Um, They've heard the women's testimony about the resurrection. They're not really sure they believe that. Maybe that's what they were debating about on the road. One of them believed, one of them didn't. I don't know. But, but they're having an animated discussion. And they're also discouraged. If you look in verse 17, it says, And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. They were gloomy is one way you could translate that word. Uh, they were distressed. Another way you can translate that word. Uh, These men were truly struggling in the midst of these circumstances. You don't see here the exuberance of the belief that Jesus has raised from the dead. You see here discouragement because they believe the one they had put their hope in has died and their hopes are dashed. Jesus appears to them and begins to, uh, he's not, uh, he kind of comes up, they don't know who he is, on the road and uh, begins to interact with them and talk with them. Uh, He gets them to explain what they're discussing. And then in verse 25, he says, how foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? You see, they had seen the suffering part, but they didn't realize that he'd entered into his glory. And yet was going to enter into greater glory as he ascended 
it is necessary for these things to happen. Jesus is telling them the whole story. Yes, Jesus was to suffer. That's what the Bible said was going to happen. And in case you don't remember, that's what Jesus said to you. The angels mentioned that, right? Jesus mentions that. You remember what I told you? This is what had to happen, but it also had to happen that he was to enter into his glory. And verse 27 says, Then beginning with Moses, that's the first five books, the Torah, the Jewish Torah of the, of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Later, when he explains the scriptures to the disciples, he talks about Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, the three divisions of the Jewish Old Testament. Jesus took them from cover to cover of the scripture that they had at that time. And he says, see how this looks forward to me? Man, I tell you what, I would have been so excited to be in on that conversation. Can you imagine what that was like? So Jesus is showing, he says, hey, this psalm is talking about me. You see these, you see these verses? You see, that's what we have in the Gospels, by the way. The, the disciples, the eyewitnesses sharing what they had learned from Jesus. The 40 days after his resurrection and to his ascension, Jesus was teaching and establishing them in the truth of his word. But, but here with these two men, he's just providing some comfort. They're gloomy, they're distressed, they're downcast. They think their hopes are dashed, that, that things are at an end. But Jesus said, you don't understand. Things are actually at a beginning. This is what God planned all along. And the Messiah is going to his glory. And I'm using some imagination here, but you're about to enter your glory too. One of these days. Jesus provided comfort to them in their time of struggle. Now, this would show them, because they said Jesus was a man powerful in word, powerful in deed. Well, yeah, powerful in word. Their hearts were burning within them as he spoke to them. Powerful in deed, yes, when he opened their eyes. Oh, he was dead, now he's alive. That's pretty powerful. Okay, So Jesus is giving them a demonstration and an evidence of his resurrection. But he's also comforting them in their need. How personal. Jesus is personal, by the way, in case you didn't know that. He deals with us personally. And um, I can't tell you how many times over the years as a child of God that God has comforted me through his spirit or through Christ's presence in me. He's seated at the right hand of God, but he's also omnipresent. As God the Son. And so he is within us. Christ, uh, Paul says Christ in us. The hope of glory. He comforts us. I want you to know as. An unbeliever. I believe God comforts unbelievers. I believe he comforted me. As I was coming to Christ. He ministered to me. And showed me that he had not yet given up on me. It took me a year. It took me a year to make a decision. When I knew I was lost, yes, it was crystal clear to me. But God was so patient with me for, during that time. Now, he does have deadlines, but God was very patient with me. And the Holy Spirit just gently, that tug upon my heart, give your heart to Christ, give your heart to Christ. And he just persisted with me. 
and his comfort and drew me to faith in Jesus. That's the comforting work of our Savior. And this is what he does to help us believe. So there is not only an outward messenger, but there's an inward messenger who comforts the heart. Jesus ministered, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Now listen, I want to tell you something. That's a Holy Spirit work. When the Word of God, I want to tell you, I listened to the Word of God, and, and I had a good pastor. He, he preached the Word. He was a good preacher and so forth. But there is a difference between hearing instruction about God's Word and then having your heart burn within you because the Holy Spirit of God is taking that truth and going, pow! with it that's the difference and uh, there's this inner witness in their hearts God is dealing with them God is revealing himself to them and uh, and he is showing them his truth and he is confronting with it and he says look you've got to do something with this truth I want you to put your trust in me and so through Jesus comforting work God brings yet more evidence to his disciples. So Jesus helped to believe. How does he help us? He sends messengers. Third, secondly, he brings comfort. Thirdly, he opens eyes. I like this. So these two men uh, going to Emmaus have gotten to their house, and Jesus is going to go on, but they say, hey, we want you to stay here. And they, you know, they convince him and you know, press him to stay with them. And so they sit down to eat. And verse 30 picks up with that. It says, as he reclined at the table with them, and he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. He opens eyes. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest they should believe and come to the knowledge of the truth. There is a spiritual blindness that is a work of the enemy. There's also here, I believe, God's supernatural. Uh, the word used in Greek is kind of a word of, of holding and, and holding on to. Uh, something like God put his hands around their eyes so they couldn't perceive what they were seeing. But it was a supernatural work. And a supernatural blindness, whether it comes from God or whether it comes from the devil, can only be broken by a supernatural power. You see, it's not that you just study. I, I, I believe there are people who know a lot about the Bible who are even scholars who teach in universities, but they don't know Christ. They may know things about the Bible and know a lot of details about the Bible, but they don't know the Savior, and because they don't know the Savior, they miss the whole point of the Bible. It is the Lord's work to remove the spiritual blindness upon the hearts of men. And this is one reason it is very critical that we pray for people who are lost. Because they're not just going to get saved because you and I convince them. They're not. God's going to have to do a work in their hearts and remove that spiritual blindness and do his work of convincing like we've spoken of already within them it is uh we're we're messengers really is all we are <laughs> one sinner showing another sinner where to find bread that's i like that 
Uh, but that's all we are. We're messengers. But the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting of bringing somebody to Christ. And he opens the eyes. Um, <clears throat> have you ever thought you saw something and you didn't actually see it? I remember uh, <clears throat> when I was a little boy, I thought my bed was full of rats one night. And I, I was convinced. I mean, <clears throat> you, you could not have dissuaded me. My, my dad tried to. I went down and knocked on his door and woke him up in the middle of the night. It probably wasn't a good night for him. I said, hey, uh, I've got rats in my bed. Rats? He said, uh, I said, yeah, there's a mama rat. She's got a whole litter of baby rats. And uh, he said, Roger, I think you might have dreamed that. You, you might want to go check. I'm not going back up there. So finally he, he gets up and he, he goes with me. And he goes up and he pulls back the blanket and shows me there's no rats in your bed. See, see Roger? I said, okay. So I, I got in there and I went to sleep. But you see, I had to have somebody open my eyes to that. I was convinced of one thing, but I was wrong. I had to have somebody convince me. By the way, some people say, well, they just hallucinated and said that Jesus seemed to rise from the dead. He didn't really rise from the dead. They just hallucinated. Did you know that hallucinations don't happen that way? You realize that, right? There's no such thing as a mass hallucination. 500 people don't hallucinate the same thing at once. It just doesn't happen. Hallucinations are individual things. And guess what? If you've got a buddy with you, they'll say, hey, you're not seeing that. Your mind's playing tricks on you. The Navy SEALs tell us about this because they hallucinate in that. And their uh, hell week, you've heard about hell week. Uh, they hallucinate because they don't get any sleep. But they never have a mass hallucination. One of them will just say, hey, buddy, you're see that dolphin you see out there in the ocean, <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> you know. um, it, no, you see, it, it doesn't work that way. But you see, God has to open our minds to the truth. And so, um, he does that with these two disciples. He opens their eyes so that they can see what is right there in front of them. It's amazing. Uh, the disciples had seen Jesus raise Lazarus, right? but they didn't believe that he had risen. Thomas says, I will not believe. All of them are telling him, Thomas, we saw him. We saw him. We touched him. Thomas, I won't believe unless I put my finger in his hands and his feet and in his side. I will not believe. <laughs> Jesus appears. I think, <clears throat> I don't know if he had a smirk on his face. I've used a little imagination there, but uh, he says, Thomas, put your hand in my, put your finger in my hand. Put your hand in my side. Do not doubt him, but believe. You see, Thomas had to have the blinders removed. And Jesus did this with some very convincing proofs. But the spiritual work of removing blindness is just as powerful a work. And God does this to, to help us believe. By the way, you can ask God to help you understand the Scripture. I do this all the time as a preacher. 
I get to a verse, I think, whoa, what do I do with that? <laughs> you know, have you ever done that? You'd be riding, riding, reading through a scripture and you say, what is that? And, uh, and I'll pray because I've got to preach on that. See, that's the difference between me and you. You can just go on by and, oh, well, I don't know about that, but I'm just going to skip that verse and move on, you know, whatever. Uh, I've got to deal with it because I've got to preach on it the next week, right? So uh, I'll ask God. I said, Lord, you open my eyes to this. I, sometimes I've done that five minutes before the service. I still don't have this, God. I, will you help me? And, and he's been so faithful to do that. Uh, you can help, ask God to help convince you. If you're here and you're lost, I had somebody tell me that when I was lost. I said, if you're struggling to believe, ask God to help you. And I did. I said, Lord, would you help me believe? So, so uh, Jesus sends messengers. He brings comfort. He opens eyes. And he proves his resurrection. Proves his resurrection. If you look in verses 36 through 42 and 43. Look at verse uh, 39. Look at my hands and my feet. Touch me and see. Because a ghost does not have flesh and bloods. As you see, I have. See, they thought he was Jedi Jesus, right? He just appeared to them, but he wasn't really there. Jesus said, uh-uh, touch me. Touch me. And then, do you have anything to eat? Verse 41, why did Jesus do that? Was he hungry? Well, maybe he was. I think he was trying to demonstrate to them his physical body. And so, he gave him the piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in his presence. Now, how much proof does it take you to get, to believe, get you to believe something? Somebody once said, seeing is believing. They saw Jesus. They didn't believe. Multiple witnesses. They touched him. And they're still struggling to believe. He's right there in front of them. They've seen him. They've touched him. And they're still struggling. That's the problem of human unbelief. It's stubborn sometimes. And, but finally, um, they accept it. And it changes their lives. It changes their lives completely. And Jesus opens the scriptures to them to show them that these things were what God had in mind all along. Um, this is how God... Helps us believe how Jesus helps us believe. He sends messengers. He brings comfort. He opens eyes. And he proves his resurrection. Jesus, in the 40 days after his resurrection, appeared to over 500 people. As the apostles wrote the early scriptures of the New Testament... Um, they were telling people, go, go look, talk to these people. They're around. Ask about it. Verify it. Wasn't done in a corner. God has given us, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, you Christians, you, you don't have any evidence. You just believe a bunch of nonsense and you have no reason to believe it. That's not true. We have great evidence. We have the evidence that Jesus has provided through the eyewitnesses, through history. Uh, there's a whole lot of evidence I could talk about. I don't have time to this morning. 
But the key is, what are you to do with this? Yes, Jesus died for sin and he arose. What are you to do with it? Well, Luke tells us, if you remember, he says, I want you to, to proclaim this message of repentance and faith in me. What is repentance? Repentance is a decision to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Jesus. It's a decision of faith. Um, Jesus said, to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even those who believe on his name. You receive him. By the way, you receive Jesus as he is, right? Not some morphed Jesus that you make up in your own mind. Jesus as he is. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He has a right to lead you in your life. That's what repentance is. That choice to to follow him and to believe, to put your trust in him. Jesus paid the price for your sin. That's what Easter is about. But not only did he pay the price for your sin, he arose to show you that his message is true. What will you do with it? Repent and trust him today. I'm just going to pray a prayer of repentance and faith to close this service. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ, to pray along with me. You can pray in your heart if you want to. God understands your thoughts and and knows your thoughts. You can pray out loud if you want to. But I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to pause a little bit between each phrase so you can pray in your heart to the Lord if you don't know him. Let's bow. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I've done wrong. Thank you for dying for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I choose right now to turn from my sin, from my own way to follow you, to obey you. And faith. Knowing that you'll help me with that. But this choice of faith is your promise that you'll save me. I receive you, Jesus, into my life to be my king, to be my friend. And I trust you to save me based upon your promise. Amen. Amen. If you